Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Nation Magazine, this is a Bob Dylan special edition of Start Making Sense, our weekly podcast. I'm John Wiener. We heard the news that Bob Dylan had won the Nobel Prize for Literature just after the news that all those women had come forward to testify they'd been sexually assaulted or groped by Donald Trump. It had been one of the most miserable and infuriating weeks in recent American political history. And then from Stockholm, out of the blue, we got this good news, something surprising and wonderful. My next-door neighbor said that for the first time in weeks, he felt pretty good about the world all day long. I told him, me too. For comment on that Nobel Prize, we turn to Greil Marcus. He's been writing about Bob Dylan for more than 40 years, in places including Rolling Stone, The New York Times, Art Forum, Interview, Salon, City Pages, Three Penny Review, and The Village Voice. And all those pieces have been collected and published in the book Bob Dylan by Greil Marcus, Writings 1968 to 2010. It's 481 pages long. And he has a new piece about Bob Dylan getting the Nobel Prize at the New York Times online last week. We reached him this afternoon in Minneapolis, at one time the home of Bob Dylan. Greil Marcus, welcome. Nice to be with you, John. So Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize for literature. Do we have to argue about whether what Dylan writes is literature? Do we have to say Homer sang his epics or that Virgil was a lyricist? Well, you know, I have no interest in, in those questions, and I've always thought the question of whether or not Bob Dylan was a poet was a waste of time and, you know, an utter bore to try and parse out. And I always thought that the campaign to win Bob Dylan the Nobel Prize, and God knows campaigning for Nobel Prizes is anything but unknown, people have been trying for years to promote Bob Dylan as someone who must win the Nobel Prize. And it always struck me as, you know, people wanting validation for their own admiration and obsession with Dylan. 
they wanted the Nobel Committee to certify them and their seriousness. I don't think it really had much to do with Bob Dylan at all, that campaign. And I always thought that was pretty ridiculous, you know, like he, he doesn't need it. On the other hand, when I heard about it early Thursday morning, I felt really good. Yes. I was very happy about it. Yeah. And I was happy for him, happy for Bob Dylan, and curious about what he might end up saying. He gave this extraordinary talk at the Music Cares Award ceremonies a year or so ago. 35, 40-minute talk, all written out ahead of time. Nothing random about it. Uh, a lot of score settling and a lot of you know, pretty serious analysis of how and why he wrote his songs. Remarkable. Uh, I just hope he doesn't get up there and quote Faulkner, you know, we will endure. <laughs> you know, I'm with you on this. We don't need to have a Bob Dylan be a poet, but yet his words do have, uh, you know, a real uh, a mysterious power that is sort of like literature, I guess. Well, I mean, who knows what literature is? And, and really... Who cares? Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> you know, Bob Dylan is working in an area in in the very broadest sense that Serge Gainsborough worked in and that's the um that's the area of the of the troubadours, the troubadours of southern France of uh and the Cathars of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, where people took up subjects that were forbidden they were not supposed to talk about, and they were able to hide these in songs, uh, attacks on power, the affirmation of romantic love between different classes of people. This is the realm in which Bob Dylan has, has always worked. I think the first thing I ever wrote about Bob Dylan was a college paper about Bob Dylan and Walt Whitman. Yeah. And I think all you really need to know about that is not to say, as people said in the 1960s, if Walt Whitman were alive today, he'd be playing an electric guitar. No, I think you could say that as Bob Dylan has certainly recognized Walt Whitman as a comrade, a camarado, in Whitman's word, Whitman would recognize Dylan. You don't need to say more than that. I want to listen to some of the songs and talk about what he's done with them over the years. In the song Highway 61 Revisited from 1965, Bob sings those unforgettable lines. Abe says, where you want this killing done? God says, out on Highway 61. A friend told me last Thursday morning, uh, he deserves the Nobel Prize just for those lines. Let's listen. <laughs> Abraham, kill me a son. Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. God said, no. Abe said, what? God said, you can do what you want, Abe, but uh, next time you see me coming, you better run. Well, Abe said, where do you want this killing done? God said, hold on Highway 61. So, Greel, you've heard him sing this song many times. What was the most recent one? 
Uh, I listened to his version of that song and when he played it at Desert Trip a week or so ago. You know, the, the big gathering in California of the Rolling Stones and the Who and Bob Dylan and Paul McCartney and um, let's see who else. Elvis was definitely there. Uh, <laughs> little Richard Frank Sinatra made an appearance. Um, so, so, and um, Al Jolson. Al Jolson really stole the show. There's no question about so that. So what was that? What was it like hearing Bob sing Highway 61 revisited a couple of weeks ago out in Coachella? Well, you know, I always miss the police whistle, yeah. the police siren, which Bob Dylan plays. And if you, if you listen to that song, you, you realize that the most rhythmic thing uh, on the recording is, is the police siren. It's just, it swings. It's mm-hmm. just uncanny. It's not just, you know, screech, screech, screech. It's got a lift to it. It's got a, almost a melody to it. And what's so brilliant about that song is probably the best written song Bob Dylan ever wrote. And it seemed like that in 1965, and it seems like that today is just the way that the, the language begins to break down in that first voice. Abe say what? Just so fast. It's all moving so fast. You know, the first time I ever drove onto Highway 61, which was here in the Twin Cities, uh, I really expected to have some kind of mystical vision that the, the uh, highway had taken on such a, a charged sense from that song that it just didn't seem like a real place. It didn't seem like it, it could ever be ordinary in, in, in any way. Well, I guess this is your Minnesota moment, news from my hometown of St. Paul. Of course, I grew up there. Highway 61, to me, I knew what it was. It was the way you got from Duluth to Minneapolis. Bob Dylan was born in Duluth and went to college for a year or two in the Minneapolis. And then if you follow Highway 61 all the way, it goes all the way to New Orleans. Yeah, but, you know, as James Marsh illustrated in his film, an hour-long film he made for the BBC in 1993 called Highway 61 Revisited. He came to the United States to make four films that were biographies of songs. Heartbreak Hotel, uh, that'll, uh, Heartbreak Hotel, Peggy Sue, and Walk on the Wild Side, and Highway 61 Revisited. And he shows you that, among other things that happened on Highway 61, Elvis Presley lived on Highway 61. Wow. Martin Luther King was assassinated on Highway 61. Uh. Bessie Smith had her fatal auto accident on Highway 61, just to name a few things. Wow. So I also want to listen to Masters of War. Dylan has been performing, uh, I would say, intermittently over over several decades. We first heard it in... 1963. Let's listen to the opening uh, verse and then we'll talk about it. Come, your masters of war. Here that build the big guns. Here that build the death planes. Here that build all the bombs. Here that hide behind walls. It hide behind discs I just don't want you to know I can see through your masks 
1963, this was really stunning. Today, it's, you know, it's very, it's, I guess we call it early Dylan, much more literal than what he was doing just two years later. You must have heard Bob Dylan sing Masters of War live dozens of times. Well, here, here's the thing about that song. He started playing it, he wrote it, started playing it in 1963. He closed his set at Desert Trip with that song. So that's that's one hell of an arc. Yeah. And, you know, you can say, well, you know, this, the world still has lots of wars. The song is still current. The song is very specific. It's about what Franklin Roosevelt used to call war profiteers. Mm-hmm people who make money off wars, people who are invested in wars. It's not an anti-war song as such, but it comes across that way, and it comes across with a tremendous sense of weight, permanence, regret, despair, and defiance. Part of that is because its melody comes from a very ancient British folk song called Nottingham Town. Nobody knows how far back it goes, how, how old that melody is. That melody is part of what has kept that song alive because it just carries so much weight. Uh, its roots are so deep. And you can feel all that. That comes across. It doesn't have to be discussed or anything. It's just the body of the song. On the other hand, in 1991, uh, when the first Gulf War was just about to start, and uh, Dylan appears to accept the Lifetime Achievement Award at the, at the Grammy ceremonies. And he comes on with his band, which at the time might have been the hottest band he's ever played with. And he launches into a song very fast, very, very noisy, with just, you know, streaks of electricity all over it. It's just hammering. And it's also completely incomprehensible. You know, he is purposely soaring one word into the other word. You can't make out the words. And it wasn't until, I think, somewhere around the third voice that the melody crept back into the performance. And I said, oh, my God, this is Masters of War. And, you know, then I could sort of begin to pick out a word here or there. But it was an astonishing performance, one of the, one of the greatest of his career, to play Masters of War with more ferocity than he had ever played it, just as a war was beginning, and yet at the same time disguise it so that the performance would go off like a bomb, you know, maybe minutes, maybe months, maybe years after, after it was first uh, lit. So this is a song that is alive for Bob Dylan. Uh, I've heard him do it in so many different ways. And... I wrote a, a long piece once called Stories of a Bad Song about Masters of War, ah. because in some ways it's just incredibly heavy-handed and yeah. self-righteous and, and self-affirming in a, in, a, in a kind of cheap way. And yet, given what he and other people have done with this song, it may be the song that outlasts him the longest. Who knows? Well, we can't conclude our discussion of Bob Dylan's Nobel Prize without listening to Like a Rolling Stone. Once upon a time, it dressed so fine. 
the bumps of time in your prime Then you People call, say beware doll You're bound to fall, you thought they were off I'm kidding you Such a magnificent song, Greel Marcus. Let's talk about Like a Rolling Stone. Well, you know, I, I can't listen to that song um, w- without feeling as if I'm hearing it for the first time. Every every note in that song, every word, every inflection is a breakthrough. There, There is an energy that has come to bear all the people in that room, all the people playing that song at that moment, the song is taking them past themselves, taking them somewhere where they have never been. They've never played, they've never sung with that kind of synchronicity. Every person playing off every other, and every person stepping into a realm where he's never been before in terms of passion, expressiveness, formal intensity, uh, taking a form and pushing it to its absolute limit and pushing yourself past those limits. Um, that's what you hear over, over six minutes. And, you know, every time I hear it on the radio in, in a context of discussion, I just, I just think they're gonna, they're not going to play the whole thing, <laughs> um, which of course you didn't, and uh, you know I can understand that. But you know, hearing it today, hearing just that first verse and the first chorus, you realize that that is a great song all by itself. They could they could have stopped right there, and it would have been something singular. It wouldn't have been what it became. You know, uh, let's put it this way. A song like that, a work of art like that, comes to no one, no artist, more than once. But it doesn't necessarily come in anyone's lifetime. We're, we're lucky we're alive when that song can be played. We're lucky to be alive when Bob Dylan sang Like a Rolling Stone. Creel Marcus. He wrote about Bob Dylan getting the Nobel Prize for the New York Times. He also wrote the book Bob Dylan by Greel Marcus, Writings, 1968 to 2010. Greel, thanks for talking with us today. Thanks, John. It's always a pleasure, and nothing could be more fun than to talk about this.
This special Bob Dylan edition of Start Making Sense from The Nation magazine was co-produced by the LA Review of Books and recorded at the studios of Emerson College, Los Angeles by Ernesto Orellano with additional technical assistance from Justin Allen. Alan Minsky is our senior producer. Frank Reynolds is our executive producer. Annie Shields is our engagement editor. Katrina Vandenhuvel is editor and publisher of The Nation. And of course, special thanks to Elston Gunn and all those who sailed with him. Our theme music is from Barcelona Afrobeat, licensed by Creative Commons. Find out more about Start Making Sense at thenation.com and subscribe to Start Making Sense wherever you get your podcasts at SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.